Welcome, 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 welcome to the Rev Up, uh, the show where we talk about all things sales and marketing uh, and revenue growth. Uh, the Rev Up is brought to you as always by Trust the Process. Uh, we are an outsourcing organization who help people find the best possible offshore team members, uh, especially in the areas of sales, marketing, and service. Uh, the right person at the right price in the right location uh, for the right job. You can reach out to us at ttprocess.co. Uh, today on the Rev Up, we have Therese Tarleton. Therese is uh, an entrepreneur. She is a founder. Uh, she is a consultant, um, an author, speaker, presenter, facilitator, uh, matchmaker, uh, everything you could ever possibly want. Um, and most importantly, an expert when it comes to uh, building marketing partnerships and collaborations, ways for businesses to work with other businesses in order to access audiences, uh, in order to create um, you know, really unique experiences for, for their clients or for their partner's clients, but ultimately a way in order to be able to grow your business that doesn't necessarily always require a whole huge amount of investment, which we'll talk quite a bit about today. Uh, Therese is an expert in this particular area. This is something that's not talked about a huge amount when it comes to marketing strategy. And so I'm super excited to bring this conversation to you guys today. Um, we get into the depths of partnerships, we get into uh, the depths of collaborations, and I think one of my favorite things about this conversation today is we talk about a whole bunch of different examples and ideas of, of things that other businesses have done in this particular space. And so I think that's a really, um, really, there's some really great takeaways for you guys in the show today. So that's it from me. Uh, over to Therese and myself for the Rev Up. Welcome to the Rev Up, Therese Tarleton. Thank you, Ben. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you. And um, we we obviously met through a thoroughly modern uh, way. Uh, we met through LinkedIn maybe six months ago or so. Uh, if I remember correctly, we both were commenting uh, on a post uh, and then just connected because we were both commenting on that post and had a few conversations since and then decided to do a podcast together. Uh, what a thoroughly modern way to do it, I suppose. Absolutely. I'm I'm pretty pretty active on LinkedIn. I love playing there. And and I think it's really good. Like we you know, I didn't know you. You commented, I agreed with you. I added my, you know, little two cents worth. We kept talking and then there we go. We're connected. It is uh it's the modern way. Uh actually it's a it, the whole digital interaction thing is a thing I do want to talk about today, but we'll get to that in a minute. So, um your story is um I think your story is an interesting one in that you, you know, you started in very sort of corporate marketing space, big brands, that sort of stuff, um, but then went out and did your own business and all of that. For, for our audience, why don't you just um, give us the sort of half a glass of wine version of, of, um, of kind of your, your journey in entrepreneurship, in business, in marketing, uh, and kind of how we got to where we are today? Fantastic. Well, I, I drink pretty fast, so I will I will do the fast version as well of that. <laughs> but, um, but I guess I, you know, went to uni, did marketing, um, very grew up in a very normal, very traditional kind of family with a, with a single mum and just had big ideas to actually, you know, to be 
to be bigger and to be better. And um, and so I was working in corporate and I just started feeling like I didn't fit and I heard about, you know, people starting their own businesses and I thought that that looked like a pretty cool mm. thing to do. So I didn't know anybody who actually had a business. And I, I was on a trip to America when I actually saw something that was so intriguing to me that I jumped at it. So the thing that I saw was actually a Jeep baby stroller. So Jeep is in the car and mm. it was a baby stroller. And at that stage, I was married. I wanted to have babies. And so it kind of combined my love of branding and babies. And so I took a chance and I approached this huge billion-dollar company in America and convinced them to let me bring their product to Australia, let me be the distributor for their product in Australia. And I, you know, I, I hustled a bit. I, you know, did a did a bit of a marketing plan and, you know, showed them a few pictures and did the razzle-dazzle. And amazingly, they said yes. So cool. So I bought the mm. Jeep baby products to Australia and I did my first partnership when I went into Jeep head office where the cars live and talked to the PR manager who was just about to go on maternity leave. And I did my first partnership when she said, these are cool. Do you want me to do some PR for you mm. and you can give me a stroller? And I was like, yes, what a great idea. So she got me in every magazine, every newspaper from the Financial Review to like Woman's Day uh, and everything in between. The Wagga Gazette, like every regional newspaper everywhere. And then the next <laughs> thing that happened, yep. which was pretty cool, right? And I was like, oh, you know, so I was on, I was on, you know, TV programs and, and, and so all this buzz started happening. And then I got a phone call that changed my business life, which was from Huggies. So Huggies called me and said, hey, we've got an idea for a competition and we want to put your Jeep stroller uh, on the side of every box. We're going to give away a car. We're giving, giving away a Jeep to mother and baby. And hey, do you want to be part of it? And I was like, hell yes. So they put my product everywhere, all through Coles for three months. And yeah, that wow. literally catapulted me from, you know, my second bedroom, doing it all myself to like my first million dollars in my first year. And I was like, wow, this like partnership thing is cool. Like I need to get in, I need to work with other brands that I've got to do this. So that like, mm. and then that got me the chance to speak with Target. I did a range for Target. That got me the opportunity to bring in a range of Sesame Street products and I got into Toys R Us. That gave me the idea that maybe I wow. should do more partnerships, more licensing, and I acquired the license for United Colors of Benetton, which is a European brand, and I created or manufactured their brand in my product, being strollers, and I sold them into all the big retailers around the world. So I had distributors in five countries, and this was all, you know, still in my little home office. Um, I had a couple of toddlers by that stage, and we just went berserk. So that opportunity. So was that ultimately that? Sorry, that piece around um, around the Huggies partnership is that ultimately for the price of you providing a stroller that yeah. you were able to do that, or were there are there other terms around that kind of thing? No, no, this is the whole thing. So I think I gave away four strollers 
So, you know, uh, and right. I think my cost of goods yeah. was, you know, I don't know, a hundred and something dollars. So it did cost me something in terms of it cost me four strollers. Yeah. But to get my brand in front, in Coles, in front of, you know, millions of people for three months. Yeah. Was something I could I could never afford to do that. I couldn't even afford an advertising campaign. <laughs> what an ROI. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so after that, Ben, I I got an opportunity to actually, as I said, I was kind of it had grown to quite a good size. I was over in Europe a lot. I had little little kids at home, and I got an opportunity. I got approached about selling my company, and I decided to cash in my chips. And I sold the company to somebody else in the industry. And um, and then I actually took that learning and went into big corporate bands and told them or taught them the power of actually doing strategic marketing partnerships with other brands. So I mm. did it with like uh, e-commerce. So like Grays Online was a big auction house. And I did it with charities like the McGrath Foundation and used McGrath Foundation's very loyal supporters and, and enticed them over to the website to bid on pink diamonds. The the, the value of the, the profits of those pink diamonds went to the charity. But the thing is, those loyal followers of that brand, McGrath Foundation, stayed on our website kept buying stuff became our customers yeah and then i actually i you know so i did this for a number of brands right and so even um like csr i actually did uh worked for csr which is a building company and so they have products like bricks and insulation like you know things that they are a product that you need to build something but the product itself is you know not that Mm. sexy but the house you build with it is so I would do all these collaborations mm, with yep. builders and interior designers and architects and 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 show their projects, bring their projects to life, promote their projects, and in the meantime, we were promoting our products within that. Because other people talking about your product or your or your brand is always going to be more enticing than you talking about yourself, right? Like, yep. so. So I so I have done that. I have done it for very large, global, huge brands, and I've done it for tiny, 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 tiny little startups uh, who don't think they have anything to offer, but they have immense value to big brands. And then, so just to tie it all up, and then I was helping a heap of businesses during COVID because I've been mentoring women in business for 16 years, and I kept trying to say, you need to do partnerships. And someone said, have you written this down? Like, I'm going to forget. Have you got something that I can look at? And I went, no, I haven't. Um, maybe yep. I should write, maybe I should write it down. And then I was like, hmm, maybe I should write a book. So I put all my best secrets, all my learnings from doing collabs and brand partnerships, strategic brand partnerships for the last kind of 20 years and put it all into a book. And I called it Swap Marketing Without Money. Because what this is about is really the combination of brands coming together who have the same mutual customer but don't compete and collaboratively creating something that is irresistible to their mutual customer and both growing in the process. Mm. Yeah, that's um, it's probably an area of marketing that's not talked about 
as much as a lot of the other areas, you know. The the greater, especially SME, consciousness is so heavily aligned with really sort of very digital channels, you know, buy a lead, talk to a customer type stuff. Yeah. I think this most is, small to businesses me, a, a are... really interesting conversation. Yeah. I think most small businesses think that they they have no other choice. They have to do Facebook ads. Right. And and I'm not saying to not mm. do Facebook ads or to do Facebook ads. I'm simply saying that there are so many opportunities where you can collaborate with another brand. And and I talk about collaborations in terms of it, you get there's three main things you get from a collab. One is you reach your ideal audience, like you're collabing with somebody that has the audience that you want to talk to. The second thing is around kind of credibility. Now, that could be that, like, you know, powerful credibility in terms of, you know, you're linking with a bank and you're an accountant, you know, so the power of that. Or it could be street cred. Um, so, so when I tell the huggy stories, like the first, when I tell people that story, they go, why, why would huggies want to collaborate with you out of your second bedroom? Like, why? I don't get it. And I always talk about like, you know, big brands need conversation. There's only so many ways you can talk about nappies, mm. right? Like, and so at that stage, I was a trending new brand. I was all over the media. It was being talked about. So they are a huge, affluent, powerful, loved, trusted company, but they didn't have something which was kind of like street cred, like trending, something that was trending. So attaching yourself to increase your credibility is a real thing. And the third thing it gives you is differentiation. So so you know, Ben, like we, you know, there's a thousand people who sell white socks. There's a thousand photographers. There's a thousand marketing people. There's a, you know, there's there's a lot of all of us. And how we how we show up, how we differentiate ourselves, is how we build the know, like, and trust factor, right? So yeah. So the the when you're collabing with other brands, you're standing out. Like collaborations, collaborations yep. have been done for decades and decades and decades. I mean, I remember going and badgering my mum to go to McDonald's so I could get the Happy Meal that had the Smurf in it. You know, like two brands. Yep. So that we, this has been happening forever. I mean, right now you've got like, you know, Adidas and Gucci. You've got uh, Heinz tomato paste and Absolute Vodka have come together to create an Absolute Heinz tomato source yeah um you know like there's all the jordans and paris saint germain absolutely these (laughs) are and i think i think the thing is that uh, as a small brand you might look at you know gucci and adidas and say oh this is just the domain for a big brand but it's not it absolutely is not so i i deal with heaps of small business owners and this is about who's got the tools, the tech, or the talent that you need to grow your business. Go and talk to them. Go and yep. have a curious and conversation lo- a lot with of those, that brand. Yeah, and a lot of the a lot of those big brands. I think it's interesting that point you made around like they need they need to be able to create conversations. I think so many small businesses get into this mindset of like, well, why would they want to talk to me? 
I'm just little old me, you know, that whole imposter syndrome thing that happens to people in small businesses where they then are like, well, you know, Coles is never going to talk to me. Huggies is never going to talk to me. Nike's never going to talk to me. Um, but it's not always actually, like if you having worked in one of those, in a number of those big businesses, I've worked in some of those big businesses, actually inside those big businesses, there are just people. <laughs> And yeah. those people have jobs to do. And quite often those people are doing jobs at a local level. There's a marketing manager for Nike in Melbourne, for example. And they're having to run community engagement events and all this sort of stuff. And actually, it's really hard for them to come up with lots of different ideas of things to do. And they'd love for more people to come to them and say, hey, I've got this great idea. We should do this thing together. Yeah. And, and the thing is from is a that, big is brand. Is that kind of what you've seen? Yeah. Look, I think, as I said, you've like, well, I've got some great examples of just small businesses working together and causing a big, big effect. But I think a lot of small businesses go, if I could only do a collab with, you know, I don't know, Westpac, or if I could only do a collab with, you know, Gucci, then that'd be it. The, the whole thing is the big brands are, are, are fantastic, right? But they are, in some instances, quite faceless. You know, they're a, they're a stock exchange mm. code or they're, you know, I mean, you've got some great businesses who have great figureheads, like a Steve Jobs or whatever. Like Steve Jobs was as big as Apple. But you've got many businesses, many big brands, especially if they're like a global brand, uh, you know, like a, like a Sony or like, you know, they – you know who's the head of Sony? We don't. I don't know who the head of Sony is. Like they, they, they're not very personable. And so what big brands need is they need they need conversation, they need community, they need engagement. And how they can get that, how they can grab that innovation, that 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 pulse, that feeling, that trend, is to actually use smaller businesses who are. Think of a small business. What is a small business? Fast, nimble, agile, brave. You know, they can turn it around on a pin. They'll pull out all the stops. They'll do an all-nighter, you know. Sometimes connected. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes the difference for small brands to big brands is that the small brands actually connected to their audience and their audience cares about them. Exactly. Uh, you know, not, some big brands certainly have that. You know, you know, someone like Nike, for example, has an in, intense following. Same with, you know, Apple. But most big brands aren't like that. Most big brands don't have great community and connection and, and uh, loyalty and all of those sorts of things. And actually, a lot of small brands do. Yes. And, and we've seen, obviously, I've been in this, this area for a really, really long time, like before digital, you know, be, began. And, you know, as I said, like McDonald's have been doing it with Happy Meal forever. But And then it's kind of the, the landscape kind of changed a bit and it was about kind of influencer marketing. So I'm going to get somebody to eat my protein ball and then tell everybody how tasty it is and, you know, and that's great. And influencer marketing is is brilliant, right? Amazing. But it's not partnership marketing. It's not brand collaboration. So influencer marketing is when yeah. um, I have got an audience and I'm going to share with my audience, you know, the protein ball. And, and because they know, like, and trust me, then they will, I might convince a whole lot of people to eat that protein ball. 
But when you're doing a strategic brand collaboration, this is around what have you, what have you both got in your toolkit? What have you both got access to? And that can actually be around sales teams. It could be around R&D. It could be around a number of retail shops. It could be, it could be digital. Um, it, you know, it could be around community or industry. It could be like as, as companies, we have bigger or, or, or more defined and diverse areas to communicate. So we can communicate. We could, we could, you know, put things in our boxes that we're sending to customers. We could put things on the side of our trucks. We could, we can use, we can tap into a whole lot of resources that is different to just one vehicle, usually one social channel. Yep. And I think what's really interesting with um, like thinking about influencers, thinking about audiences, ultimately what you need in order to be able to win, succeed in business is you need an audience, you need a, a group of people that are listening, <laughs> and you need a solution in order to solve their problems. And when you can bring those two things together, you can you can make good business. The I suppose like the biggest trend and what everyone's trying to get onto is this whole audience building piece. Because once you have an audience, you've done the hard part and now you can sell them things. But what you're my perception of this anyway, and please correct me if I'm wrong because you're the expert in it, what what we're ultimately talking about here when you partner and when you collaborate is that you're essentially accessing somebody else's audience. You don't have to create one for yourself. You're finding a way to access somebody else's audience without necessarily having to pay them in the way that you would pay an influencer for influencer marketing. Yeah. So you you tapped into it 100%. So this is, and and just for clarity, this is, you know, a collaboration. Usually there's no money changing hands. What you're doing is you're using your your assets, which I said it like might be how many trucks you've got or or your, you know, your hairdressing salon or, you know, the things that you've got as a business. So what have you got and what has another company got that you could come together and create something amazing and you're not you're not paying each other to do it so this could be something really simple like a a, a great example i use all the time and people love it is uh, a friend of mine is a uh, an artist she creates very beautiful abstract acrylic works of art and she had a new collection you know she wanted to sell it she collabed with a really cool inner city Italian restaurant. And so they put her art like all over the restaurant and then they both sent out, you know, emails, did social, put up, you know, flyers, like all this kind of thing in both of the, the gallery and the restaurant. Mm. And they created an event for one night only, one night only. You could go to the restaurant, you could meet, the artist, Lara, she talked about her inspiration. She got to tell you about, you know, all her travels. You got to meet her. You got to, you know, have a selfie. And and Salvatore, who was the, the head chef, he was so inspired by Lara's artwork that he created a signature dish based on Lara's artwork that you could only get on one night. So you had to come along to meet Lara and get a new dish that you were never going to get any other time. 
Now that little collab that. to, that, to that tiny businesses, yeah. So they weren't swapping money. They were saying, hey, let's both write an email and let's get it out to both our databases. Let's both create some social posts. Let's create, you know, some collateral. We'll both have it in our windows. You know, let's create a bit of a buzz and we'll actually push people into kind of, you know, a, a, a destination, an event. And, there, you know, there's great photos. There's great assets that come out of that. There's great testimonials. You know, there's all these things that are grown from that collaboration. Mm. And besides all the goodwill. So Lara got the exposure to all the people who dined at that inner city restaurant because she knew that her artwork really appealed to inner, people who lived in the inner city. And as a restaurant, what do you want? You want loyal followers. You want people who come back and eat at your restaurant all the time. And so mm-hmm. Lara was able to introduce you want to a whole lot of experiences. Yeah. Yeah, so Lara was able to introduce a whole lot of diners that that didn't even know that they existed. So the story of the restaurant there is really interesting because that is, to me, that's really good, integrated, unique experiences. You know, everybody wins. Uh, It's the same audience. It's kind of fundamentally different things, but you can put the two things together and create this really cool um, experience, this really cool environment. What I really want to know... from you is like for the average business owner, you know, we mostly talk to SMEs. Most of our audience are SMEs, uh, anywhere from small micro businesses through to maybe $50, $60 million in revenue. Um, What are the steps? I think there's kind of some natural questions to this. Like how do I choose a partner? (laughs) How do I identify who I should go and approach? And then what do I do to go and approach them? Great. Okay. So the simplest way is you're probably already referring your customers to other businesses. So as a small business owner, you would get asked all the time, like, hey, have you got, you know, so people always say to me, oh, do you know someone who could could do social for me? Or uh, do you know uh, who I could get to some, do some bookkeeping? Or do you know, like your your customers naturally ask you, for referrals to other companies. And mm, we yep. naturally give referrals. We go, oh yeah, totally. Do you know what? You should talk to Jane. Jane's amazing. So we, we as business owners, we always are referring other businesses. And usually the businesses that we're referring come before us or after us. So whatever we do for the customer could be before or mm. after. So. You know, so if I was a hairdresser, I might be getting my hair done and then I could actually collaborate with a stylist or a makeup artist, you know, or something else. So I, so the, the, a great partnership is when the customer gets the ultimate win, the best win. So imagine if you, you know, built pools for a living and you did a partnership with somebody who cleaned pools and tested the water and did everything then your product looks better for longer. They think your product is sensational. The customer's getting a better deal. The customer gets to have the ultimate benefit, which is to swim in their clean pool all the time. And so the the customer's getting a better experience than they would have got just from your company singularly. So they're the most natural partners, as in like who, who comes after you, who comes before you. They're the easiest ones, and they're the ones you probably already do. 
So one note on that is we, as I said, we always do it. We're like, you should ring Jane. But what if you actually yeah, just, always. you know, went one step further and you rang up Jane and you went, Jane, everybody asks me and I'm always referring you. How can we like do this a bit better? What could we do? I've had a few ideas. So you could say, so Jane, why don't we actually create some articles together? And I'll share it with my audience and you share it with your audience. So it could be something really simple, like literally just a, just an email exchange or a blog exchange, like something with backlinks to both your companies. Super simple, right? It could be that yep. you um, get Jane's, get a landing page of Jane's or like a URL or maybe it's Jane's flyer. And so when people say, Hey, do you know someone? You can say, yes, I know Jane. And actually what I'll do is I'll actually email you a little bit about Jane so you can find out a bit more. Now that unique link could, you know, that's in, I guess in modern marketing, we sometimes call that an affiliate link. Um, so, and an affiliate mm -hmm. is usually when there's, there's a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of a backhander, right? So I refer you, customer clicks on you, and then you know that that click is from me and therefore you give me something. So you might give me a percentage of the sale or something like that. That's affiliate marketing. Commission, um, something is, like that. Yeah, yep. which is great, right? Not taking anything away from it. So but, but partnerships are kind of where you actually go, I'll do this for you and you do this for me. And, and again, like these kind of great relationships where you're actually just referring each other. So when I was at CSR and we had building products, we wrote articles about house trends. So for example, Hamptons or Scandinavian. And, and so I did a collab with High Pages. So High Pages are a website that you go to find a builder or a tradie to do the work you want done on your house. So we both created all these articles about house trends and then we both had them on our website. We both put them out on emails. We both shared them on social and we made sure that we tagged each other yeah. in and we had backlinks on everything. And so we'll both, and so the customer was actually wanted to know about how to create a Hampton style house. So they got a benefit. They got the knowledge. They knew what to do, but they knew the products that they could use to make the Hampton style house and the, how they could get a tradie to actually come and do it. So the customer yep. got the ultimate win, but both of us benefit in the process. Yeah, the, those, um, I love those, those sort of integrated share, share kind of um, marketing partnerships. I've seen some other cool ones as well. I mean, ultimately this to, to me seems like um, it's a little bit of a creative process. Like, you do have to sit down and, and have a bit of a think about it. And I think that scares some people. They're like, oh, I wouldn't know what to do. Um, so I, like I often talk to people about um, there's a, a pretty, fa oh, it's pretty famous concept of, of um, divergent convergent thinking. Yeah. And sometimes the best thing to do is just sit down and just write down everything that you can think of. Just block out an hour of your time in your diary to just – Come up with as many ideas as you can because as soon as you come up with 50, 60 ideas, you might find only one of them's even worth discussing. But until you do that kind of like let's just make uh, let's make options so that we can then make choices, right? 
create options, make choices. Uh, until they do that process, they find it really hard. But like I've seen versions of this, like um, really simple ones. So um, an insurance company in a small country town, right? Uh, do a lot of car insurance. There's a smash repairs. This is, uh, for anybody who knows me, this is very close to home <laughs> for me. Uh, one of our family businesses is a smash repairs. Smash repairs in a small country town. The insurance company wants to be able to access the audience of all of the people that come in to get their cars fixed at the smash repairs. And so the insurance company provides um, uh, essentially first aid kits, branded first aid kits with their phone number and their website on the front of the first aid kit. The smash repairs can provide their customers with this awesome additional little gift that is a great addition to the experience of now you've got a first aid kit in your car. And it can be, you know, the way you message it, it can just be as simple as, oh, we noticed you didn't have a first aid kit when we were working on the car, so um, our friends over at Elders allow us to give these out. Um, Elders gets their... I'm, I'm now I'm I'm giving away the uh, who who it is <laughs> gives away their their first aid kit. They got to pay for that, but they're going to be paying for marketing other things anyway. So you know, branded thing, etc. They get their brand and their their phone number and their email address in, and their website. So in front of a whole heap of people who are exactly their customers, um, and the partner that they've done this collaboration with gets to provide an upgraded experience. Like it doesn't always have to be give marketing um, content type stuff. It can be like literally I'm getting marketing access and you're getting an improved experience for your customers. Is that the sort yeah. of stuff you've you've seen as well? Is that like what sort of stuff do you tend to find outside of the sort of marketing for marketing yeah. exchange? Yeah, great. So I'll just touch on two things. One is about, yeah, a great example just like that. And and the whole thing is it, when I say it doesn't have to be even, like, like Ben, you might want um, to increase your credibility. Uh, or likability let's call it likability so the insurance company wants to increase their likability you know and and the smash repair wants to actually give their customer a better service right and so they they have different objectives so when you do a partnership you could have totally different objectives one might be about i want to build likability which is another word for credibility um and the other one might be i need to build a database or I want to increase my social following because I'm about to launch a new product. Uh, you know, so you can have different objectives as long as they're both, you know, you're really upfront about what you're trying to do and then you're actually trying to go out and do it. So when you, when you say that, it absolutely is about what is the, the ultimate experience for the customer and, and how do we do it simply is, is really about taking the assets that you've already got and I know you're going to ask the question. So when you were saying, be creative, this is this is about creativity. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, it it so pasta sauce and vodka. Who would have put that together? I mean, you know, um, four pillars gin and go to skincare came together and created the new mm. go to gin because four pillars wanted the gin in glasses of more women and go-to skincare was about like you know we, we're going to collab with somebody cool and actually access a database so four pillars gin is mm. a, a premium spirit they spend more money so we want to access a database of people who are premium spenders 
So how do we put our brands together? For anyone so, out there, Four Pillars Gin is a delicious gin. Uh, their Shiraz gin in particular is absolutely amazing. Can highly recommend. Yes, I can too. That might be my Friday night go-to tonight, actually. Um, so <laughs> I talk about Four Pillars all the time. They're actually serial collaborators. They are they are genius at this. Mm. So Four Pillars have done collaborations with like Gelato Messina. And so you could go into mm -hmm. a Gelato Messina store and you could get a Four Pillars gin-flavoured gelato. Like they did a Christmas one. It was called mm. Christmas Pudding. So, and then you could oh. go into Four Pillars Gin, actually did a series, a trio pack of Gelato Messina's kind of three, you know, kind of three gelato flavours. So they had like a chocolate, a strawberry, and a vanilla flavoured gin that you could get in a, in a pack for just a short time only. You know, so they, they're they very clever at finding ways to collaborate. And and when we talk about this, so there's a really current example. And we, so the thing is, whether you like it or not, it's not about whether you like it or not, right? So, so Nike have got together with Tiffany. Now, they created, they came mm -hmm. together, they've collabed, and they've created these, these black runners with a blue swish, right? Now, personally, mm -hmm. I don't love it. I don't love it. But they were sold out in about four seconds. They had people lining up down the street. They mm -hmm. like they and millions of people were actually talking about it. Whether they like they were going, oh my God, this is totally awful, blah, 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 blah. Or they were going, oh my God, how do I get my hands on a pair? But the thing is they were talking about both brands. And and the thing is, like, then when you the flip side of that, so you could go into Nike and you could buy Tiffany branded shoes, but then Tiffany did a collection, and I think very clever actually. So that my favorite product of theirs that they collaborated on is you could go into Tiffany and you could get a Tiffany Nike branded whistle. Now imagine if you are a collective right. group of parents and you want to get the coach of your under sevens basketball team the best gift ever because you you know they got into the grand final and everybody was a you know they won and oh my gosh the most amazing thing imagine getting a yeah. tiffany you know nike whistle for the coach oh amazing amazing so but the whole thing again whether you like it or you don't whether you like gucci and adidas coming together whether you whether you like gwen stefani coming together with another brand like it, it is talked about. It is topical. People, as consumers, what do we do? We gravitate towards things that are in short supply, that are talked about, that give us brag value, that make our life look a little bit different, that make it look not vanilla. So when you have a collaboration and two mm. brands come together, it creates this anticipation. It creates this anxiety around, I've got to get my hands on that. And that's the power of like a brand collab. Because a brand collab is it's yeah. a short time only. This is this is happening and then it's gone. So when Four Pillars and Go To Skincare released the new Go To Gin, Zoe Foster Blake put out one post, and it was sold out within like less than two hours. It was gone. Couldn't get it again. Mm, yep. So this is about this is about being strategic. Who like where are the creative ideas? And this is what I love. I can come up with 150 different ideas of how to put really obscure brands together because it is a, it is about like collaboration equals fascination. 
which equals cash. So how do you create something so mm. cool that the customer has to have, be a part of it? How do you create that 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 it's only for one night only? It's only for one day only. It's only for a limited time. You know, it's only this interior designer is coming in and they will help you pick the perfect lounge suite. But you've got to come in and you've got to buy it today. Mm. You know, how do you create yeah. this anticipation? Do they all have to be like exciting and interesting? Because, uh, like, I see some some good partnerships and collaborations being less about the brand collaboration and more about the product. So, like, um, an example of this is we're an outsourcing agency, right? And so we provide people with offshore team members. Uh, we do a lot of those in sales and marketing. So a natural collaboration for us from a product perspective is to work, for example, with um, somebody who does sales process consulting because lots of businesses come to us saying, I want a salesperson offshore. It's like, okay, what will they be doing? No idea, selling stuff. What's the process? Don't know. Um, and so that person, ultimately, if that's going to work, they need a sales process. So a natural collaboration for us is work with a company who does sales process consulting for somebody. Uh, they do that work, and then we provide the people that are then going to execute on the sales process. Do they yeah. all have to be like this kind of, um, you know, exciting Big brand thing. stuff? No. Can they just be like product because Absolutely. it just fits perfectly together? Yeah. And and this is a thing where I guess you've got like a campaign. So a campaign would be something like the gin and the skincare, one time only, bang, big burst, you know, big, big push, big brand push, big sales push, big explosion, and it all happened. And so they're great, right? So yeah. they're really good for a big burst. I'm launching a new product. I've got an end of season. I'm trying to do something for Christmas, you know, back to school sale, you know, whatever that is in terms of actually creating an urgency around it. But they, but but they are like short term. So it happens and then it's gone. the The one that you're just talking about is an excellent, excellent example of like a slow burn. You know, this is this is your evergreen. Mm. You could partner with this company for the next ten years because your customer coming on that journey needs both your products to actually have ultimate success. Mm. So. Just like marketing, we do we do like long tail marketing. So we might do content marketing. We might have a podcast, and that is about you know organically building, building, creating you know creating an infrastructure, creating an ecosystem where people are coming in and they know, like, and trusting you, and building that brand for you and and for them. Um, and then you've got things like you know you do a Facebook ad, like that's a you know, you might push out a promotion. So there's things that you can, and and the best collabs are like, so you've got that collab, brilliant. So you might have that in marketing, we call that like an evergreen, as in like it's just it's just continuous. There there could be no end ever yep. to that. And then you could actually, and then you have your big pops. So then you could actually bring in someone that might give you a big boost in sales for one time, and then you come off and then it might be about credibility so it's not about sales but it's about linking with somebody else who's going to get you the credibility that you need to maybe pitch to somebody that you like 
or it might be around, you know, that reach, getting you an audience that you cannot talk to. So it might be that, um, so Ben, you go and speak at an event. You know, you go and speak at the HubSpot mm-hmm. conference um, in, in front of heaps of people who use marketing software. Um, but they actually now want somebody to use the yep. marketing software for them. So where are the opportunities for you to have like an evergreen that is like an always on, consistent, reliable, great partnership for both of you? And then where is the opportunity to get this big, big burst, big flaming urgency around doing something? There's um, there's some crossover in this too as far as like, especially for the evergreen stuff, where it kind of crosses into um, like channel strategy. Um, that collaboration partner, you know, they might be a, a – they might actually be the perfect person to sell your product as a val- like a value-added reseller, a, a VAR as we call in the sales industry for years, um, where because of the surf- service that they offer, they are actually the perfect value-add person to sell your service. And I think we're, we're a great example of this again, where the best person to sell outsourcing is not necessarily the outsourcing company, it's the company who's helping someone strategically decide what they need to do with their resources, Right. The person that's helping somebody come up with how are we going to pro- uh, proceed, where do we need people, what can we get them to do onshore versus offshore, what's the appropriate amount of um, of spend for the roles and the, the tasks that are being completed. Somebody that does all of that kind of consulting is kind of the perfect person to actually sell outsourcing for us. And so it can be a collaboration where it's like a referral arrangement. They send them to us, we send them to them. But sometimes you can take it a step further and they actually go all the way through the process and actually sell your product as a channel partner too. Yes, and, and I've got a great example of that. So uh, there is um, a the healthy home. Um, Zara is a building biologist. So she teaches mm. or has done a heap of research on the best healthy building products. Now, she did a collab with the mm. Australian Institute of Architects. So as, a, an, as an association, they, have, they want to make sure their members are up to date. They want to make sure that their members stay with them. They want to add great value. They want to look at the latest trends. You know, so they've got, they've got, to, they've got to uphold their membership, right? So they, they can see that they had a gap and it was around this kind of healthy building. And so they did a collaboration with... Uh, Zara and so she did a webinar series for them and that webinar series was the most frequented they like increased their member rate like the engagement was through the roof they got all this great feedback and so they they were happy with Larry they thought it was the best thing ever and and Zara who is you know a, a small entrepreneur you know working from home she got to she had hundreds of architects reaching out to her asking to work on projects with her to actually be Mm. able to you know so her credibility was able to get them some projects that they couldn't get before because the client Mm, wanted to tap into sustainability recycling like all these kinds of things so together the architect and the healthy home was a better solution, was a better pitch, was a better outcome for the customer. So 
definitely look at at that as well. So you've got all your associations, all your you might be a women in business group, you might be a chamber, it might be, you know, this doesn't have to be some massive, yep. you know, association. But it's like what how could you work together with somebody else that could actually be the best salesperson that you could ever dream of? Yep. And and that's about yep. as we said, like yeah, someone 100%. else someone else talking about your product is always going to be more enticing than you talking about yourself. So true. That's so true. And there's there's both sides to think about it from as well because um, I think in today's um, modern age of marketing um, and modern age of social and content and, and um, all of those sorts of things, um, both groups do exist. There is the group of people that have a great product or service um, that have a lot of capabilities, but they don't really have an audience. And there are actually a lot of people that have a great audience that they're not really monetizing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so there's the, the, the aspect from the other side of it for business as well. People who have an audience, it's interesting for them to think about who could you, who could use my audience and who could my audience use where I'm genuinely adding value? You don't want to just smash your audience with messaging and try and sell them stuff constantly that's not necessarily a good fit for them. But, you know, finding really interesting things for them, getting um, access to discounts and special offers and all those sorts of things for your audience is sometimes a really good way to add value to them, but it's also a really good way to monetize the fact that you actually happen to have an audience. Some people are going to be super lucky and they have both things. They've got a great business with a great product and they've got an audience and they can put those two things together. I think yeah. partnerships are still valuable to them, yeah. right? They're still valuable to them to keep growing. Um, but if you've got just that one side of the audience, which is so much more common now than it ever has been, um, you know, this yeah. is a, a, an important thing to look at as well. How do I yeah. monetize it? Yeah. And I've got a great example of that. So within the building industry, so as I said, building building products, right? You know, you can't just keep talking about buy my brick, buy my gyp, like you know, it's it's like you know, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. That's boring, right? And so uh, we created like awards. And so when we wanted awards, we wanted to showcase the people who actually use the products and the great work that they did. And then, as you said about value added resellers. Then it's about like who else is actually in who could who could benefit from this. So then I did some deals with the um so when you use when you use the building products, you need tools. So I went out to all the tool suppliers and I was like, Hey, I've got an idea. Do you want to be part of these awards? We'll give out your tools as as prizes. So all of us come together, create these awards. The the tradie gets the ultimate value. And But what it did more so than anything else is we were showcasing best in class. And when I say best in class, that, you know, somebody who won a couple of years ago was literally like a guy that had like two people and a truck in regional Victoria. Like it wasn't, there were there were people mm. who were doing $20 million projects, but, but we were trying to showcase like everybody, like great craftsmen are just great craftsmen irregardless of whether you've got a budget of a thousand dollars or twenty million dollars. So so in terms of that, like who's got who else has got your audience? So the the tool suppliers were like, yes, we've got a way. Like our tools are nothing without a tradesperson 
using the tool to create something. So you can't mm. just keep saying, buy my hammer, buy my hammer. Well, what about the what's created with the hammer? Where is the hammer sold? So, you know, so so collectively you start joining companies together. And the ultimate result was that buzz throughout the industry because then people were like, oh, my gosh, look what Joe's doing. Look what Sam's doing. Look what Brian's doing. And so they were going, mate, how did you do that? Did you use a 460 or a 390? You know, so there was collaboration and talking about that. And then on the chat, they'd be like, well, reach out and, you know, give me a call, mate. I'll tell you how to do it. So there was the customers are starting to build all this chatter and then you're fostering this incredible relationship. And that's a benefit to, you know, the suppliers, the products that you're selling, the services that you're selling. It is about building within an industry. So then the, the, you know, the industry within like a HIA environment, they loved it because they were like, you're championing our tradies who are our members and showing the great work that they're doing. So so look for like and and there's all these opportunities. So for example, we you know, HIA awards are building awards. When winners, when houses would win, we'd contact the builders and go, hey, did you use our products in that build? And if they did, we'd plaster it everywhere and promote the heck out of them. So it's like where mm. And that, so imagine if, um, imagine if there's a, you know, women in business award and your client won, you know, best accounting firm or, you know, whatever, right? Like you could uh, imagine if then zero, the person who won best accounting firm in the, in the, you know, Telstra business woman a year or what, or an award program to actually get zero to celebrate that. That person who's doing great business and is a leader and has really done something amazing, they're using our product. Let's celebrate that. Let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, so where are all the opportunities where your regular customers are using your product that you could celebrate them, you could elevate them, you could tell their story? Yep. Do you know what I find super interesting about about this stuff, Therese? is that um, I've been on this path for a little while, which is I think we've become too data-driven and too digital in the world of business. And a lot of people now miss out on amazing opportunities because they're looking at their customers in terms of dashboards only and they're not talking to them. They're not talking to their customers. They're not talking to their partners. They're not networking. They're not seeing people in real life uh, and having conversations. They're looking for, okay, so I think a really great example of this is the best version of research that you can do with your customers, most of the best stuff you're going to get is going to be from customer interviews, not from the survey. The survey that you do will be good for confirming potentially some some. Um, some things that you might be thinking and getting a mass of data to go, yes, it looks like that might be correct. But actually the insights, all of the really good stuff actually happens in interviews and talking to people and understanding why they're doing what they're doing. And and with just data, especially for small businesses, with just the digital stuff, I think they get misled a lot. And one of our 
guests on this show maybe a few weeks ago, um, Jim Ginolio, who is a, a marketing analytics whiz. Uh, he gives this amazing analogy, which is um, somebody's leaving um, leaving a restaurant, they can't find their keys. It's dark, it's late at night, and they go and they look under the streetlight. And somebody says, "What? why are you looking under the streetlight? And they say, "That's because that's where I can see. Well, are your keys there? No, they're not. Well, why don't you look somewhere else? Because I can't see anywhere else, right? And so it's like, just because something is visible doesn't mean that that's where the thing that you're looking for is. I think that's so true with like your customers, with your marketing, with your sales, with everything. Just because you you can't perfectly track it on this uh, digital path through a system and into a dashboard doesn't mean that uh, it's not super valuable for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's lots of collabs where you can get that dashboard metric, but, you know, some of the best ones like the, you know, the restaurant and the painter, you know, like, you know, that that's a buzz, right? Like that is, that's something that you just can't bottle and it gets talked about a lot. So, yeah. And, and so, and I guess in terms of that, that collaboration metric, as I said, the metric might be different from one person to the other. Like one might be credibility, one might be getting a database. But but I guess for me, as the the biggest benefit of collaborating for me is ultimately in as a as a value set. I like to do this is my thing. I I want to do good things with good people. Like I love working with other people, and actually, and mm. your idea and my idea put together better idea, right? And so part of being yep. a small business owner means that sometimes it's bloody lonely, and you're making all the decisions. And you're giving it your best guess. And, yeah, you can look at your dashboard and you can make a new decision. But actually somebody else who has got the exact same customer as you that could be in the trenches with you and together you could come up with something even better for your customer. I mean, who loves your customer as much Mm. as you do? Wouldn't you love to collaborate with them? Like together you'd probably come up with something amazing. And it's fun. Mm. We went into business because yep. we didn't want to work in a cubicle, you know? Like the people that you can meet, the, the the businesses that you can work with, the customers you can now, you know, like get into your, can experience your product. You know, this is, we started business because we wanted to delight our customers because we were good at something and we wanted to share it with our customers. We wanted to help our customers. Well, that's what somebody somebody else thinks exactly the same way about your exact same customer. So why not, mm. right? And my experience has been when you talked about before, Ben, about like, oh, well, what would I say and who would I reach out to? Imagine, imagine if we got off this call and you picked up the phone and someone said, Ben, I tell every single person I come across to listen to your podcast. And I've got an idea about how we could work together. And I've got, I've got this idea and blah, blah, blah. And right, like, how would you feel? Like, you'd feel good, right? Like that, I'd like, want to have that conversation, to be honest. Exactly. I'd want to know what the idea is. <laughs> exactly. Like, out of all the podcasts, out of all the podcasts, they contacted you. They chose you. They want to work with you. Yeah. That's cool, you know? 
So we talk about that like is really cool. Yeah, you know, like the little wins, right? Like that's not a little win. That's a big win. Another company could mm. could choose to work with a hundred other people. They called you. They've got an idea of how you guys could work together. Brilliant. Like so, take that win, absorb that win, you know. And then in terms of think of the, you know the shoes on the other foot. Imagine you made that phone call. Imagine, so when you say like, oh, I'm scared, what, what have they got, you know, like, do you know what? Most people say yes. Most people are blown away that someone's even called them. Most people are proud and really open. Of course, not everything's a yes, but it might be, uh, you know, yes, but I, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to Europe or I like, you know, I'm, I'm doing something, I'm in the middle of something, I can't do it now. It might be I'm changing a focus on a customer. It might be something else. But if you go in with a mindset of actually just having a curious conversation, they collectively, like you might yep. go in that with an idea that you want to do an email with them, but you come out with actually we could share a, um, a stall at a conference. Like, that would be great too. Mm. So, so go in with an yep. open mind and a, a generous spirit, and in terms of actually kind of going, both got the same customer. What can we do together to like blow their minds? And that's when, yeah, you know, when you go in and you're like, well, I've got twice as many followers as you, so I'll give you one post and you give me two, and I'll give you. That's a bartering <laughs> system, right? That's never going to work. Like yeah. they're. they're they're not great. They always feel really forced and, you know. But if you go in and you kind of go, do you know what? Like I'm a gun at marketing and you're a gun at, you know, outsourcing. So what about if we put our heads together and came up with 10 marketing things that you could outsource and the framework to deliver them, the brief to the VA? Like what if we put our heads together and came up with something better than the customer's even expecting? What would that look like? Like... And so you, you know. said before, like, would you be that, sorry, uh, would you be, you know, how would you feel to make that call? Is, is in your mind, is this the outreach for this stuff? Is it a, is it a phone call? Is it go to networking events? Is it send them a LinkedIn message? Like what do you tend to find is the right way to go about trying to find collaboration partners and reach out to them? Yeah. I think the, the best way is to actually have a conversation. Um, and, and for some people mm. that might mean that you, you know, for you and I, right? Like we actually, I reached out, you know, through a DM, we had a chat, like, you know, we, we started a conversation, you know, and so we kept going back and forth. And so sometimes we have to do it electronically, right? No problem. But if you, like, I buy, I buy people every day of the week, as in, I could choose 10 photographers. I actually want to, I'm going to choose the one that I kind of like, you know, I kind of feel like there's something mm -hmm. there. Yep. There's something, there's someone that I want to do something fun with somebody, right? So, so even when I send an electronic message, so an email, DM, whatever, um, if I've got a great idea, I'll usually just try to use Loom or, you know, any one of the videos, even grab your phone and actually create a video and go like, Ben. I'm always talking about your podcast. I've got an idea. Think we should chat. I just need ten minutes. It almost is never a no. 
Like, how can you say no to that? You'd be intrigued, mm. right? You'd be curious. You'd at least give 10 minutes. And usually that 10 minutes turns into like, yeah. oh, my gosh, like, let's meet up. Do you want to have a beer? Da, 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 da. And, and, it, and it escalates. But I think that, you know, that if I could give one tip, like, go in. Like, go in hard. Like, as, not hard as in a hard sell, but go in with enthusiasm and passion. That's infectious. Mm. Like, if I'm going in and I've yeah, got an idea for you and I, how we can work together, I've got to know. I've got to know. Even just the tone of your voice, I've got to yeah. know more, right? And sometimes that, that doesn't come across on a text message, a DM, a, you know, a written email. So so my my suggestion would be get a conversation. You can't get a conversation. Create an, a, a video that actually is so enticing that they can't, they can't say no. And, and actually one more thing on that in terms awesome. of just you, so what, what you're pitching, right? Is you're pitching a conversation. Like I'm not proposing marriage. I'm mm, not trying to the get the deal step. in the first phone call. I'm proposing to one more yep. step. And so even when I get the phone call, I'm just proposing one more step, which is to have a, you know, let's sit down with a whiteboard. And then when I got the whiteboard, then I'm just, I'm like, hey, what can we do this? Like, I'm not pitching marriage. I'm pitching the next step. Yeah. And then you'll find We talk about that just... in, in sales process all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you're selling the next step, not the, not the end, not the product, not the outcome. You're always just, how do I get them to the next step? Uh, and it, it sounds like, um, you know, building partnerships and securing partnerships is in itself going to be a sales process, yeah. right? A marketing and sales process. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's, um, it's 100% okay. a 100% sales Before we process. run out of time, I've got, yeah, um, before we run out of time, I've got one more question for you uh, before we wrap up, which is, um, look, anybody, anybody particularly who is an expert in a particular field, um, particularly somebody who uh, has themselves written a book. Uh, I usually find it's very, very rare that you find somebody that is an expert in a field or incredibly successful in a particular field that doesn't have their own approach to learning, that isn't like a lifelong, uh, you know, obsessive learner. <laughs> um, do you have a particular uh, approach that you have to learning, a particular uh, method that you like? I'm personally a, a massive reader. What's uh what's your approach to learning? Sure. I am a massive podcast junkie. Uh so I mm -hmm. listen to podcasts all the time. I cannot get enough. I'm I guess an like a, an like so I looked at something in terms of how you process whether you're a visual learner or you know kinesthetic learner like I'm I'm mm -hmm. an audio like I love I can really I love sound. So for me it's about podcasts. Uh, and for me, the, the mm -hmm. act of listening to a podcast is usually while I'm relaxing. So I'm walking somewhere or I'm, or I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. I don't listen to podcasts while I'm on my computer. I listen to it when I'm doing life and I can really take it in. So, yeah. so I love, love, love podcasts. Um, I also love reading. As I said, I'm an author. Um, I find that I'm taking more books in, like taking the audio book more than the physical book. I would mm, always same. take a physical book on holiday. I love the feeling of turning a page. I love the feeling of putting a bookmark in a book. 
you know, I love a physical book. There's nothing better. But to really, you know, get get that information in your head, I love having an audio book. And so they and and so they're so one, two, three. So audio book, podcast, and then my have a curious conversation. I find the smartest person that mm. I can know in a field, and I ring them up and I ask them questions. And do you know what? They tell you the yep. answers. And so I'm it's amazing, I'm always, isn't it? People are so open to share. There, I find, as a rule, people are incredibly generous. So generous. You will be mm. so surprised what people offer you. And I think I yep. am, you know, I'm, I'm gracious. I'm very grateful. Um, I'm an over-the-top thanker. I will thank people a thousand times. Um, but the thing is that I'm also, a, I also feel like, as I said, I want to do good things with good people. So I will continuously do good things with nothing in return. Like I'll, I'll, I'll think of two people that I want to connect and I'll just connect to them. I'll go, Hey, I know you're not expecting this, but you two should know each other. Here you go. And I always feel like as from a learning point of view, here's my learning, do good stuff. Good stuff seems to happen. Like. I'm filling my karma mm. cup. I just, I'm just connecting. I love connecting people. I love actually like reaching out and saying, hey, I just thought, I've got an idea. I, I do collabs. I'm just, you know, I know you've just opened a new yoga studio. I just had a couple of ideas. I just thought I'd, I'd share them. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I give away yeah. all the time. Give, 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 give. And do you know what? Good stuff seems to come back to me. Somebody will introduce me. Somebody will tell me yep. that I need to do something, right? <laughs> So, so as a life. Have you ever learner, read the book? Um, the. Have you ever read the book The Go Giver? Yeah. Brilliant. One of my all-time favorites. Me exactly, too. Exactly. Exactly that point. Yeah. I can't think how long ago I read that book. Like. Fifteen years ago, maybe yeah. like a long a time ago. And that's and I believe it. I believe it. And even if it's not in business, yeah. like I, you know, I give, and then all of a sudden I'll, you know, drop drop something at the shopping center, and somebody will pick it up and hand it to me. Like I just believe that you just do good things, yeah. and good stuff will come back to you. Um, and as I said, have fun. So true. Life's too short. Go have fun. Mm. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Do you have a recommendation for us? A book, a podcast? What's uh? What's the number one thing, number one that you're recommending at the moment? Uh, there's a book by Wendy Lloyd Curley, and it's called uh, Strategic Partnerships or Building Strategic, uh, sorry, Strategic Networking, not Partnerships. I've got Partnerships in my brain. Uh, strategic Networking, because uh, I love, I mean, I love nothing more than getting in a room with people, and I think I'm okay at it, but she is the queen of actually working out how to have an ask in there. Uh, so I would say Strategic Networking, the book by Wendy Lloyd Curley. And in terms of podcasts, oh, my gosh, I could literally recite 100. Um, but I think for me there's a podcast called Small Business Big Marketing um, by Timbo Reid. Mm. Now, I've been listening to his podcast for nine years. And I just love hearing small businesses that are doing really interesting things. Like I can't get enough of it. I love yeah. it. So they would be my two. Love that. And, uh, of course, uh, everybody should go and check out 
swap, marketing without money, of course. Uh, and if anybody wants to reach out to you, where do they reach out to you and what might they reach out to you about? Sure. So I'm always on LinkedIn and I'm the only Therese Tarleton in the world. So you will find me. Okay. Very easy. <laughs> uh, and, and then my website is my name. So you can reach out to theresetarlington.com. Uh, I play more on LinkedIn. I'm always there. So come have a chat there. Come hang out. And I'm very friendly. I'm always sharing everybody else's posts. Uh, and in terms of, you know, what else? Um, you know, absolutely. All The book has all my best secrets. You can listen to it. You can have it on your phone and Kindle. You can do, There's all the different formats. Uh, and I'm actually starting to to have a quick online course for people who actually want to learn how to do this, um, which is a simple, very simple course on how to oh, do it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, so I do it for the big brands and, and obviously there's, you know, that's where the big money is. But this is a very, very easy course, you know, $97, off you go and you will know a heap about how to do a marketing partnership. You'll be off and running. Um, but as I said, please just Love reach it. out. Love to have a conversation with anybody. Shoot me an idea. I will give you a few little combinations that you might just not have thought of because um, I love doing this. Oh, I love to hear that. Um, thank you so much for joining us. That was really uh, interesting, particularly interesting for me. This is not a, a massive area of expertise for me and um, I always love hearing from experts in a particular field like this. Uh, I've got my brain whirring in the background thinking about more things that we can do as well. So thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Fantastic. No, thanks, Ben. Love, love to do. Love collaboration. Love to do something with you. And if anybody's listening and they're like, man, I want to, you know, then, then reach out. I would love to collaborate with other people, you know, on events or speaking or podcasts or, you know, helping you get this message to your audience. So please reach out. Marvellous. Please do, everybody. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks, Ben.